and welcome to Discord, a podcast to explore the intersection between music and theatre. I'm Adam Lenson, and week by week, I will be trying to figure out the conundrum that is musical theatre. Welcome to our second Soapbox episode, Danger High Voltage. Discord. Let me start with a question. Have you ever melted a cable by plugging it into the wrong power supply? Ever blown a light bulb? Ever overheated a hairdryer because it was plugged into the wrong voltage? This happens because too much power is passed through something that isn't designed to take it. Now let me ask a question about musical theatre. Have you ever wished characters would stop singing about how they feel, stop being so specific, stop saying so much of the narrative and the story, stop being so overt? I've wondered lately if this might be a similar thing. Can the power of a song melt the cable of an audience used to less information and content in their songs? Can it blow the bulb of someone who's calibrated to listen to pop songs that are so much lower in content? So I wanted to start a conversation about the informational content of songs and how this might relate to the difference between pop songs and the songs often found in musicals. I've observed that the information contained in the music and lyrics of songs can vary widely. And I've begun to wonder if this variation in information might be at the heart of what distinguishes regular songs from songs that are part of musical theatre. I've also begun to wonder if the variation between the content of songs is why people's opinions about pop music, gigs and concerts is often different from their opinions about musicals. Because musical theatre songs are required to contain more information than other songs. And I think that that extra information changes how those songs feel to engage with. So if people like pop music, then maybe they've become accustomed to music and lyrics that contain less information. Songs that are vague, non-specific, and contain allusions, symbolism, and imagery, subtext, and ideas, fragments. So it's understandable that musical theatre songs can be alienating. They contain specific, narrative, character, and informational content. The subtext and vagueness of the song necessarily decreases, and the information of the song increases. And I wonder if, by increasing the amount of information in a song, if we are fundamentally changing the nature of a song, and how the song feels when we hear it, and how much of that style we can take. And suddenly it strikes me that perhaps the reason people love music and hate musicals is because of the greater informational content of musical theatre songs compared to pop songs. They melt their metaphorical cable, perhaps because the increased informational content overloads a system that isn't calibrated to cope with them. And I think this is because musical theatre songs are required to take an active role in storytelling, as opposed to pop music, which is often only required to have a passive role as accompaniment to other life experiences. So I thought it might be useful to come up with a way of being able to describe the informational content of songs. And in doing this, I thought we might be able to get to grips with how pop songs and musical theatre songs differ. And by doing that, I might start to build some basic theories of why some songs work in musicals and why some songs don't, why some genres of music work better in musical theatre and some don't, and frankly, why some people love musical theatre and why they hate it, and what we can do to change their minds, and to try to understand the gap between songs and musical theatre songs. So I will admit, 
that by already having mentioned power and information, wattage and current, then I'm already mixing my metaphors. So how about I combine them into a new scale? I'm going to call this the voltage scale. Simply, the higher the voltage on this scale, the more information or specific content the song contains. So, the voltage scale. Here we go. Now, of course, this is a gross simplification, but let's say that a song can contain three different types of information in both its music and its lyrics. I'm going to suggest that those three different types of information are tone, character, and narrative. That's tone, character, and narrative. I'm then going to rate each of these three out of a possible 100. So combining these three lots of 100 together makes a possible voltage high score of 300. Now, a quick disclaimer, this is absolutely not a scale of the quality of a song. I would suggest that there can be songs that are extremely low on the voltage scale that are wonderful, wonderful songs, and also songs very high up on the scale that are terrible. The scale simply suggests how much content the song contains. A second disclaimer is that while I'm using numbers, of course this is a qualitative scale. Of course, there's no exact science to determining how much content there is in a song, but I think you'll see that it is possible broadly to give songs a numerical value for how much tone, character, and narrative they contain. And even by doing this in a rough way, we can start to tell the difference between songs. So without further ado, let's start voltage rating some songs. Are you gonna stay the night? Are you Okay, so let's start with tone. I think uh, it does definitely communicate something with its tone. It's very loud and upbeat and kind of pulsing and it communicates nightlife to me. Uh, I wouldn't say that it communicates much of an emotional tone. So maybe I would give it 30. I know that it's qualitative, so uh, you know, you're gonna have to disagree with me if you don't think it's a 30. Um, in terms of character, we know it's a woman singing it and I would say that's it for character. And narrative, uh, <laughs> you will agree that the amount of narrative content is, is pretty low as well. We know that there's a situation uh, where someone wants someone to stay the night uh, and that's about it. So uh, there's slightly more narrative content than character content I would say. So maybe I would say five character and maybe 10 narrative content so that would give this a score of 45 out of 300 which i think is quite a generous score but it's the first one so i'm feeling in a generous mood for anyone that was interested that song is stay the night by zed featuring Haley williams and i heard it earlier today when i was having my hair cut i suppose my reflection on that first song is that you'd have a lot of trouble putting a song like that in a musical because it doesn't contain any narrative or character information, more or less. And that 
using that to carry an active storytelling beat in a musical would be incredibly difficult. I also think it would be fair to say that people for whom that is their favourite style of song, I don't think you're ever going to get them interested in the narrative usage of music in musical theatre in terms of using that style of song in a musical. I just don't think people used to that amount of information in a song would not be alienated by the amount of information that there can be in a musical song. So from the ridiculous to the sublime, here is a song from The Music Man. Well, you got trouble, my friend. Right here, I say trouble right here in River City. Why, sure, I'm a billiard player. Certainly mighty proud to say I'm always mighty proud to say it. I consider that the hours I spend with a cue in my hand are golden. Help me cultivate horse sense and a cool head and a keen eye. Jimmer, take and try to give an ironclad leave to yourself from a three-rail billiard shot. But just as I say it takes judgment, brains, and maturity to score in a bop line game, I say that any boo can take and shove a ball in a pocket. And I call that sloth the first big step on the road to the depths of degradation. I say first, medicinal wine from a teaspoon, then beer from a bottle. And the next thing you know, your son is playing for money in a pinchback suit. And listening to some big out-of-town Jasper, hearing him tell about horse race gambling. Not a wholesome trotting race, no, but a race where they set down right on the horse. Like to see some stuck-up jockey boy setting on Dan Patch? Make your blood boil, well, I should say. Now, friends, let me tell you what I mean. You got one, two, three, four, five, six pockets in a table. Pockets that mark the difference between a gentleman and a bum with a capital B, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. So hopefully you would agree with me that in one particular category, this song absolutely blows up the scale, and that is character. Uh, the sheer amount of character in this song is, is humongous. Uh, I, w- I would put it, you know, let's say 95. It's one of the most characterful uh, songs I've heard. It's full of information about Harold Hill, who sings it, and the town that he's singing about. Uh, it's full of context, specificity. Uh, so yeah, 95, let's say, uh, of character. In terms of tone, I would say it begins in that kind of poetic, rhythmic style uh, and builds into a very sort of charming, bouncy, upbeat song. Um, I would say potentially maybe 60 in terms of tone i would say if you were just listening to it on its own you would get that sense of the drive of the rhythmic uh push of the song of how it perpetually moves and again like the the it sort of wins you over as a piece of music and builds and builds and builds and in terms of narrative let's say uh you know it's about a town and you learn a lot about that town and it's about their wish to hire Harold Hill to create a boys band in town so you do get that sense of narrative growth and the song really acts as a narrative beat um I would say it could contain more narrative specificity but I would say it definitely hits a solid 70 uh for narrative so that would be 70 plus 95 which is 165 plus let's test my maths here 60 which would put it at 225 which puts it squarely towards the top end uh, of the voltage scale and definitely puts it into what I think will be a firmly entrenched musical theatre part of the spectrum between 200 and 300, which is 
songs that contain a great amount of content. Next up, another song from a piece of musical theatre, but a piece of musical theatre that always seems to be liked as an exception by people who largely claim that they dislike musicals. This is Falling Slowly from Once. And words fall through me And always fool me And I can't react And beams that never By listening to that, you've probably noticed that even though that is a song from a musical, that it's pretty low on the voltage scale. The music has an edge of melancholy, but it's quite generic. It doesn't tell us that much. Uh, I would say no more than a 50 uh, in terms of character content, almost nothing. Uh, is within the song. It, it, we know it's about two people. We know that they're falling slowly, metaphorically speaking. Uh, but they're really talking in this quite poetic, uh, fractured imagery uh, about how difficult love is. Uh, but we're not really learning anything about character. I'd say, I'd say, you know, five uh, for character. Uh, in terms of narrative, we are learning something about their situation and the poetic sort of hopelessness of the lyrics combined with the music are definitely teaching us something about that kind of overwhelming ache of wanting to find love but it, but it not quite working out so i don't know let's let's say 20 in terms of its narrative information but obviously specifically it's not conveying that much uh so let's say we had said 50 for tone five for character and 20 for narrative that gives this a voltage rating of 75 which even though this is in a musical it's significantly lower than trouble from the music man so i wonder if the low voltage of that song and most of the songs in the musical once contribute to the fact that many people uh, have spoken to me and said oh i don't like musicals but i really loved once because it didn't really feel like a musical and I would suggest that one of the reasons why Once doesn't necessarily feel like a musical is that most of the songs in it are diegetic, which means they are accounted for in the narrative. So someone picks up a guitar and says, I'm going to sing a song now, or says, I'm going to play you a song on the piano, which means that there's no suspension of disbelief for why people are singing most of the time. And I also think another reason why people like Once is because the songs are relatively low on the voltage scale. So people who like gigs, who like pop music, they like once. And maybe there's a lesson that we can learn there, which is perhaps it's possible to make musical theatre that people who traditionally don't like musicals can enjoy by 
using songs as part of it that don't traditionally contain as much overt narrative information and character information as traditionally has been the case in musicals. Although, I say traditionally, but a lot of early musical theatre didn't have songs which were particularly high in informational content, but a little bit more of that later. Next up, a pop song, but one that I think is curiously high up the voltage scale, and thus seems to suggest uh, a songwriter who I think would probably write a really exceptional musical. Also, it's interesting to me that fans of this particular songwriter often seem to really enjoy contemporary musical theatre, and that's maybe because their expectations have been calibrated to a higher informational content, to a higher space on the voltage scale. And this singer-songwriter is Ben Foltz. Fred sits alone at his desk in the dark There's an awkward young shadow that waits in the hall He's cleared all his things and he's put them in boxes Things that remind him that life has been good Twenty-five years he's worked at the paper A man's here to take him downstairs And I'm sorry, Mr. Jones Here is a song that is dripping with character, tone, and narrative. It's a a very melancholy song. It's a a song clearly about a man uh, who's being forced into retirement. He's called Fred Jones. And uh, the song describes in narrative detail how he is spending his last day in the office. So there's a peculiar amount of specificity and information in both our information about Fred, what he's up to at that particular moment and the narrative beats of the song. And also uh, there there is a kind of creeping sadness and melancholy uh, of the the song, which just kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, speaking personally, kind of, I find it creeping into my bones and and sort of making me feel sad uh, and also making me uh, pity Fred. So there's definitely something active about the way that song functions for me. So uh, I would suggest maybe 80 for tone, uh, maybe 80 for character, and maybe 90 for narrative uh, when the whole song is taken together. Again, of course, uh, I I sound as if I'm making these up because I am. uh, And I could definitely come up with different numbers but uh, as a ballpark I feel like a combination of these numbers does get to grips with I think the informational content of this song compared to something like Falling Slowly and thus the voltage score rating of this song would be 250. So something I could maybe hypothesize from that fact is that there could be a musical that stylistically has something in common with the music of of a singer-songwriter like Ben Folds that has that story-song specificity 
and character and information uh, because that amount of information and that amount of storytelling could be used within a musical. But I hinted earlier on that perhaps high informational content in musical theatre isn't the way it's always been. And if we look back at the beginning of the 20th century in the early musicals, we would find songs there which were full of tone but had neither character nor narrative as part of them. And they were essentially the pop songs of the day and they were strung together by narrative to make shows of writers like Cole Porter and Irving Berlin. And here is an example of one of those songs. Easy to Love, first of all, sung in a pop version by Ella Fitzgerald, and then as part of the 2011 Broadway cast recording in its musical theatre guise. And that is from the 1934 Cole Porter musical, Anything Goes. I would say that that song is pretty low on the voltage scale, that it tonally has a lovely romantic communication as a song uh maybe 50 uh in terms of character almost nothing probably five uh and in terms of narrative uh it conveys how easy it would be to love someone uh and so again very little narrative information i would say maybe 10 which would give that uh, a voltage rating of 65 and as we can see that meant that it could transmit between being a pop song and being a musical theatre song at the time. But that has happened less and less, and gradually we've seen an uncoupling between musical theatre and pop music. Every so often there might be uh, a song from a musical which is low enough on the voltage scale that it can also be released into the pop charts, uh, such as Memory by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which, although it's from the musical Cats, was also a notable pop song that was covered many, many times. But you can see that there's this gap growing, that many songs on this admittedly quite wonky scale uh, are below 100 and many are above 200. And songs that are below 100 tend to be poppier, more accessible and less content-filled songs. And songs above 200 tend to be full of information. And it seems to me that we can make music more accessible and more popular by making it lower on this voltage scale, but we can make songs that are more useful for musical theatre by finding songs that are above 200 on the scale. I would like to hypothesise that the reason that pop music and musical theatre became uncoupled uh, was due to the realisation that in musical theatre songs could 
drive the plot and could contain information about narrative and character. And this came with the advent of Rodgers and Hammerstein, who showed what a book musical could do to push the use of songs in theatre. But what that did was meant that those songs were no longer as useful as pop songs, because a useful pop song, I think, is one that is relatively low on this voltage scale. And so those songs needed to be higher in information to serve this new form of integrated book musical. But that separated the forms apart, pop music and musical theatre, and thus led to this sense of alienation between one and the other. And something that has started to happen recently is people have been looking into forms of popular music, which are already, I believe, high on this voltage scale that contain a lot of information. And by doing so, maybe have stumbled across genres of music that are ripe for musical theatre, but still accessible to the mainstream. Here is Stan by Eminem featuring Dido. But you still ain't calling I left my cell, my pager, and my home phone at the bottom I sent two letters back in autumn You must not have got them There probably was a problem at the post office or something Sometimes I scribble the dresses too sloppy when I jot them But anyways, what's been up, man? How's your daughter? My girlfriend's pregnant too I'm about to be a father If I have a daughter, guess what I'ma call her? I'ma name her Bonnie I read about your Uncle Ronnie too, I'm sorry I had a friend himself over some who didn't want him I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan I even got the underground that you did with Scam I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man I like what you did with Rockets too, that was fat Anyways, I hope you get this, man Hit me back, just a chat Truly yours, your biggest fan, it's a stand I would say this song comes near to maxing out the voltage scale I would say tone 85, character 75, narrative 95, which gives this a voltage scale score of 255, which for a pop song is extremely high. But then I don't think that's going to surprise anyone because hip hop is fundamentally a storytelling medium. It evolved out of the need to tell stories. Also, unlike the majority of pop music, which I believe is something to be passive, to be a lens through which your everyday life is kind of viewed, this is an example of a song that needs to be engaged with. Our attention needs to be active. It needs to be something that we engage with fully and totally. And because of that, I feel like there could be a very good hip-hop musical. And of course, most of you will know there already is an exceptional hip-hop musical called Hamilton. And of course, it goes without saying that Hamilton is hugely successful. But I would ask, why is it so successful, using the mechanisms that we've been talking about this episode? It's successful because that genre of song already is high on a scale which makes it perfect for a musical. It contains so much information, so much storytelling, narrative and character as part of its general form. So those audiences who are engaged with that genre of music are already engaged with the things that musical theatre can offer. So there's a synchronicity there. And maybe no one had been thinking that there'd been a synchronicity before. But 
As soon as you think about it, it makes complete sense. Hip hop, as a genre of music, as a genre of song, is regularly high on the scale that we're talking about. And that scale seems to be one that creates excellent musical theater because that amount of content and information is what's required to tell a good story. Of course, earlier we talked about Once, a very successful and very popular musical that was very, very low on the voltage scale. But I guess there's something to learn there, which is it allowed audiences who weren't traditionally able to watch musical theater without their cables melting, without their bulbs blowing, to enjoy and love musical theater because it brought the expectations of pop music and the information of popular song into a theater. But as we said about Hamilton, some genres and some popular music just happen to be naturally high on the voltage scale, happen to naturally contain lots of character information, narrative information, and tonal information. And songs like that, and genres like that, happen to make good musical theater. Alexander Hamilton Where's your family from? Unimportant, there's a million things I haven't done Just you wait, just you wait so, so, so. so this is what it feels like to match wit With someone at your level, what the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light It's Ben Franklin with the key and a kite You see it right? The conversation lasted two minutes, maybe three minutes Everything we said in total agreement It's a three minutes, a bit of a dance A bit of a posture, it's a bit of a stance He's a bit of a flirt, but I'ma give it a chance I asked about his He's flying by the seat of his pants Handsome boy, does he know it? Beach fuzz, then he can't even grow it I want to take him far away from this place Then I turn and see my sister's face And she is helpless That song is Helpless from Hamilton And I think you'd agree with me That it is extremely high on the voltage scale And I would say should easily be a 90 In all three categories uh, Hence a 270 overall which is one of the highest songs we've had so far. And yet, it's probably the closest to a pop song of all of the songs that we've heard so far in terms of what modern-day expectation of a pop song is. So, of course, what Lin-Manuel Miranda has done is extremely clever in that he's reintegrated pop music and musical theatre by realising that rap music and hip-hop is high enough on the information spectrum in terms of what's contained by it, for that to work extremely well in a musical. And this made me wonder if there are other genres of song which, like Hamilton, already have a high information content, so would work well in musical theatre, which led me to country music, which, similarly to hip-hop, is full of stories, narrative and character. Here, for example, is Spring Wind by Greg Brown. I lived a while without you Darn near half my life I no longer see our unborn children Run to you, my unwed wife But yesterday I had a vision Beneath a tree where we once talked Of an old couple burning their love letters So their children won't be shocked Love calls like the wild birds It's another day A spring wind blew my list of things to do I would suggest that this has at least an 80 on the tone spectrum, maybe 80 narrative, 
maybe slightly less character, maybe 70 character, which would give this a rating of 220 on the voltage scale, which is still pretty high, and I think could definitely suggest that this type of music would work well to tell a musical theatre story, and potentially suggests why a musical such as Bright Star, which was based on country music and bluegrass, was recently on Broadway. On to another example of a story song, uh, which is found in pop music. This is Lola by the Kinks. I met her in a club down in Lord Soho, where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola, C-O-L-A Cola. She walked up to me and she asked me to dance I asked her her name and in a dark brown voice she said Lola L-O-L-A Lola La 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 Lola Here is a rock song but one that rates very highly on the voltage scale, I would say. I would say that it has a tone of 90, maybe narrative of 80 and character of 80, which would put it at 250 on the voltage scale, which would seem to suggest that the kinks also have the informational content in their music to make a good musical which potentially explains the success of their jukebox musical, Sunny Afternoon, because their songs had a narrative and an active informational content, which enabled them to engage an audience. And also combined with the biographical story of the Kinks, there was something to be said for a show that could hold an audience's attention in a dramatic way. Here's another reminder that not all songs contain a great deal of content or information back to the world of pop music and here is you too with with or without you slide of hand and twist of fate on a bed of nails she makes me wait and I wait without you I want to start out by saying just what a wonderful song I think this is. It's haunting, it's beautiful, and it's evocative. But the question we're asking here is how high is its informational content? This song, I would say, has a fair amount of tone. Uh, for a pop song, maybe 60. Some narrative content, although it's quite distorted and blurred, maybe 20. Uh, and very little character, uh, I'd say maybe 10 generously, which would give this a score in the voltage scale of 80, very much sub 100 in the pop spectrum. And this song by U2, how general it is, how lacking in specific information, explains potentially why when U2 came to writing a musical, Spider-Man, they didn't necessarily have the ability to use music to tell story beats in a specific way to make that show a success and that maybe you two weren't 
a particularly suitable idea for a rock group to take on a musical theatre narrative-based book musical adaptation uh, when it came to that show. For my penultimate example of the episode, I return to a show that while it is a piece of musical theatre, like once, it is written by pop writers and I think aspires to make musical theatre accessible to people who think they don't like musicals. And so aspires to, I think, write songs which sound more like pop songs and also potentially look to contain less information about narrative and character and instead really function on a kind of tonal experiential level in order to create the sense of an environment and the sense of a an experience and it looks to tell a slightly smaller narrative and each of the songs has a kind of episodic quality that contributes to that narrative but doesn't push it anywhere near the same amount that a song in a traditional integrated book musical would. And that piece is Here Lies Love, which is written by David Byrne and Norman Cook. You may feel like nobody sees you, but a keynote's got your back. Now listen up. Once upon a time, I was a little prince. I was a prince. Anything I wanted, anything I wished. I knew that I had to leave All around the land I see hatred and fear Hatred and fear Where is the kindness? Where now, my dear? Can our country be healed? Can a change and be strong? Will the answers come soon? Ha! We have waited so long Now listen up! I am a child of the Child of the Philippines from Here Lies Love. So, uh, in terms of tone, I would say maybe 65. Uh, narrative, it actually contains quite a lot of narrative, uh, although it in, is a kind of encoded in a kind of poppy way. It's kind of despecified and slightly blurry and kind of symbolic rather than specific, maybe 40. Uh, in terms of character, yeah, you certainly learn information about his character. Um, not a lot, but I would still maybe say 20, uh, which would give this song a score of 125. And the eagle-eyed amongst you would realise that this is the first time uh, this episode that I've uh, evaluated a song to have a voltage rating between 100 and 200, which I think says something fascinating about Here Lies Love, because it's closer to 100 than it is to 200, which means it still has that sensibility of a pop song in that information content is not the primary concern of it, unlike our traditional musical theatre songs. But it has a higher voltage rating than the majority of the pop songs, which means it's moving from pop towards narrative and informational content. 
And I think that's interesting because Here Lies Love maybe is the first musical that I've evaluated and maybe in the first that exists that bridges that gap successfully between the informational content traditionally associated with pop songs and the informational content traditionally associated with modern musical theatre songs. And maybe that's why Here Lies Love seem to appeal to people who enjoy musicals and people who traditionally hate musicals all at the same time. And who knows if there's something to be learned from Here Lies Love in the same way there's something to be learned from Once, in the same way there's something to be learned, obviously, from Hamilton. I couldn't do an episode about musical theatre songs without playing something by Stephen Sondheim. So here is Move On from Sunday in the Park with George by Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine. No, I'm not working on anything new. That is not like you, George. I've nothing to say. You have many things. Well, nothing that's not been said. Said by you. I do not know where to go. And nor did I. I want to make things that count. Things that will I be I did new. what I had to do. What am I to do? shaken so what the choice may have been mistaken the choosing was not you have to move on and maybe i've stacked the deck by putting this at the end but the reason i put it here was because i would say that this is probably a 95 across all three categories uh tonally it contains so much information in the music and in the way the lyric is interwoven through it. Uh, the amount of character that you get between these two characters, the information you learn about who they are as people, why George is so anxious and why Dot has realised what it takes to be confident and to choose. And in terms of narrative, this is a climactic narrative point in the show where you realize that both of them have to let go of what's been holding them back and learn to move into the future and learn to not be fearful and create something. So the amount of information in this song is extremely high. Let's say it's a 95 in all three categories, which would give this a voltage rating of 285. And potentially that amount of information in a song is why people say that Stephen Sondheim is a genius and the way that it communicates that information is staggering and beautiful. But then again, people always say that Stephen Sondheim is deeply inaccessible. And maybe Sondheim melts the cable and blows up the light bulbs of so many people because it just sounds like nothing else. It really takes the medium to a new place. It takes songs to a new place, which I think is why he was such a paradigm shift in new musical theatre. Because it's doing something extremely different to pop music. Pop music communicates much less than this. As we've seen in this episode, it doesn't aspire necessarily to transmit information. It doesn't aspire to be high voltage. But Sondheim does. And because of that, he changed musical theatre. But you could also argue that Stephen Sondheim's musicals are of a dangerously high voltage 
for those who were brought up on iTunes, Spotify and YouTube. So what can I conclude from the threads of this episode? I seem to have observed that by giving the informational content of a song a number, there's something quite interesting happens. We can notice that there is a sharp divide between low voltage songs, below 100 on the voltage scale, which seem to make up the majority of pop music, and 200 plus songs, which seem to make up the majority of modern musical theatre. On doing this, it seems obvious why musicals often alienate people, because they are high voltage compared to what the listeners are used to. They melt the cable, they blow the bulb of audiences used to lower voltage songs. For those people, it feels like there is too much exposition, explanation, too much specificity and character. They want music that is less packed with information, that is lower voltage. But it also seems to me that pop music seems to contain less and less information. It's become hook and repetition. It's ear candy. And because of this, low voltage songs aren't going to be good at telling stories and telling us specific information about characters and what happens to them. This episode has also made it evident that there is often a gap between 100 and 200 on the voltage scale. So what should we do? Well, clearly something interesting happens if we allow ourselves to challenge this voltage scale, to look at how we can make musicals in the sub 100 range like once, and how we can look at pop music that exists in the 200 plus range like Ben Folds and Eminem. Because Hamilton takes a high voltage genre and uses it intelligently to tell a musical theatre story. I also think something very interesting will happen if we look at and think about how we can use the 100 to 200 range, like Here Lies Love. Maybe then we can build a bridge between pop music and musical theatre, subtly bringing in more information into the stylistics of pop music and thereby allowing audiences who are used to low voltage songs to still not be alienated by musical theatre. I think it's also worth noting that pop music and musical theatre songs weren't always 200 to 300 on the voltage scale. The writers like Cole Porter, Irving Berlin and Noel Coward used low voltage songs in their musical theatre and also lived in a time when pop music and musical theatre were bound together. But Rodgers and Hammerstein gave us the integrated book musical and began to unbind them. But I think perhaps we can again look for the common ground between pop music and musical theatre. I think my final conclusion is, we need to start thinking about audiences and what voltage they're calibrated to take, what the voltage is of the music they listen to regularly and what genre that music is, and also how different genres contain different amounts of information and how they can be used in different ways to tell stories at the theatre. Because I think we do have to investigate why people love music and song why they often dislike musicals. I think we need to be making musical theatre that can bridge this gap. And in order to do this, I think we might have to make plans about how we can lower the voltage of musical theatre, or find ways of increasing the voltage of pop music, or maybe look for a voltage that's somewhere in between. Discord is hosted and produced by me, Adam Lenson. Our co-producer is Emma Clauber. Editorial assistance is from Daisy Chute, Michael Conley, Jonathan Lenson, Sarah Middleton, 
and Oliver Sones. This episode has been the result of a lot of thought and discussion about the nature of music and musical theatre and why there seems to be a gap in the experience and interest of those who love listening to music and love going to gigs but seem to dislike or feel alienated by the idea of going to see a musical. I would really love this episode to be the beginning of a discussion. So if you feel you have something to say about it, please do tweet us at Discord Theatre or me at Adam Lenson, or you can find us on Facebook and post something on our page. Uh, I would really love to hear what you think of the reflections made in this episode. Thank you and see you soon. Our theme music, as always, is by Luke Davidson.